you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Amen. Is God good? Or is God good? <laughs> there is no other option. He is only what He says He is. Amen. How many of you know that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, that the Word of God is only what He says He is? How many of you know that everything Jesus has done, everything that Jesus did while he was on here on this earth, was to reveal who the Father is? How many of you know the Father loves you? The Father adores you? The Father wants you? He desires you? He created you for himself. I mean, he is good. He's good, but we need to sometimes change our posture. Hmm. Amen. And come to the place of understanding just how good he is. Amen. How good he is. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful for him. I am thankful for him. I'm thankful for the, this church. I'm thankful for the people. I'm, thanking, I'm thankful for what God is desiring to do in this area. Amen. I had it up to here. You know, with the people, every time you come into contact with people, that, that they, they keep on saying, nothing's ever going to happen up in Derry. Nothing can happen up in that city. I'm here to tell you something's already happening in this city. I mean, it's, it's already happening here. I mean, we're going to we're gonna have to bypass some of the garbage, some of the, some of the things that we've allowed the world, we've allowed religion to train us up in. Amen. And come back to the place of, of just walking hand in hand with the King, walking hand in hand with Holy Spirit in everything that we're doing. Amen. You'll find, you'll find, church, that He not only desires to do something, He desires for this space to explode. I, I so feel it in my spirit that this, that this city is going to be like a hub, amen, for all, for all the Northwest. Amen. This is why the adversary has fought and he has fought and he has fought to let religion, let religion grow. Oh, religion, let, let's get religion as great as it can because religion has no power. Amen, but just, you can have religion, but you just don't, don't bring that Jesus in here. Don't bring Holy Spirit in here. Because when we as a people, amen, which this is just a large village, I guess, here, when we, when we as the people of this village, when we, when we get, decide to get hooked up with him and let the past be past the last, I mean, allowed him to do the things that he desires to do. I'm telling you, church, it's going to be amazing. We're going to see people come from all over this island, all over this island to see what he's doing here. But we got to keep ourselves stirred up on these things. We got to stir ourselves up. We, we got to hunger. We got to thirst after these things. We got to pray for these things. We got to seek him to be able to use us to bring these things into fruition. Amen. Does anyone want to be used of him? Amen. Well, then begin to seek it. Begin to seek it. Allow him to change the things in you that need to be changed. Not because you're a bad person. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, but see, the, the more we can allow him to change us, amen, the more intimate we can get with him, the more intimate we can get with him, the more power of his glory, of his anointing, the more of him begin to be released through us. Amen. How many of you know Jesus is the only thing that changes cities? He's the only thing that changes nations. Hmm? Not processes, not formulas. But it's only Him. Full stop. It's only Him. I mean, as I, as I look around at our, at, at our great nation, at our city, 
When I say nation, listen to me, church. I hate that you even have to justify that when you're up here in this area. Listen, when I say, when I say nation, I, I'm not talking about the north. I'm not talking about the south. I'm talking about the nation uh, regarding the kingdom of God. Amen. We're not, we're not Republicans. We're not unionists. We're, no, we're people of the kingdom. Amen. We're people of the kingdom. And as I, and as I look over these things, I look over our, our, this island, I look over our city, there's, I, you know, I have a tendency to look at things. And, and when I look at things that, that I don't seem to like, that I don't think are beneficial for our people, for us, for my children, you know, for the church or whatever it may be, I tend, to, I tend to dig on those things and meditate on those things to where, you know, a true dislike, amen, begins to be birthed on the inside of me. I don't know if it, are any of you guys like that. I mean, do y'all pay attention to the things that are going on around you? We, we need to. Amen. We, we need to pay attention. Why? Because this is our place. This is ours. Amen. We, we need to begin to pay attention to things. But, but listen, being, being part of the kingdom, being part of the kingdom of God, I'd have to say probably one of my greatest concerns or, or a nature of, of protectiveness starts getting kicked in when I start, when I start looking at the churches. When I start looking at the church that, that God has placed us in, when God has, has birthed and God has done around this city and around our nation. Because how many of you know that, that we are all, if we are believers, if we are Christians, the ones that follow Christ, we are part of the body. Amen. Now you're part of the body. Jesus has placed you part of the body regardless. Regardless if you agree with everyone that's in part of the body. Amen. He, he's placed us there. Amen. It's his. It's his establishment. And he's and he's put us into it. Amen. And I don't know if it's it's my if it's more of the calling that the Lord has given me to lead in the kingdom of God, or if it's or if it's more my personality. But I'm telling you, there's there's aspects of the family of God. There's aspects of the body of Christ as a whole, not not just this family, but the body of Christ as a whole. That that church I find repulsive. I find it putrid. You know, and as I, and as I, and as these feelings, as this sense starts, you know, boiling up fervently on the inside of me, I always take it to the throne, I always take it to Jesus. Why? Because, you know, listen, when we start having things like that going on, on the inside of us, we need to take it to him, make sure you're doing things with the right heart, and it's not just because things are happening and you don't like the way they're happening. No, we need to make sure that it's something that, that he does not like. <laughs> Amen. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't love everything that's going on? Hmm? He doesn't love everything that's going on. And when I begin to pray about these things, listen, I find out many things have become vile and putrid to him as well. They become a stench, an aroma, a stench that has gone up into his nostrils that he's not very approving of as well. But praise God, church, this is why he, he's built churches. This is why his refining fire has been given to us so that, that they can remove the stuff that doesn't look like him. Amen. I'm not saying that he's given up on people, but he's not in agreement with everything that's going on. He's not in agreement with everything that's coming on. And listen, I'm not going to sit there and, and name off everything that's going on. Listen, you get in your prayer closet. You, 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 you let the Lord begin to reveal some of these things to you because I got a soapbox that's very tall. Amen. I'll stay on it all day long. You say, why is that? Because the church, no, because some of these things involve me as well. Things that need to be corrected in me, things that need to be shifted in me, you know, that, that, that need to be corrected. Because listen, I don't know about you, but listen, when I first got saved, God, God started cutting big things off of me. And now it's like we, we get to that place where like, oh, thank you, Jesus, I've arrived. You've cut on me for 15 years, 16 years, 20 years. It's so beautiful. Thank you that I'm good. 
And then as soon as we get up, he says, no, no, you're not good. I want you to change this as well from between you and me. Get this out of your way. Why? Because God is always trying to grab us and pull us into him more closely, more intimately, if we'll permit him to do these things. Amen. But listen, listen, listen the, the things that the Lord has been speaking to me specifically here, specifically here, I'd have to say, is, is regarding the stench of mediocrity. How many of you know that mediocrity has a stench to it? It has, a, has an odor that's not well-pleasing. It has an odor that's not well-pleasing. You say, what am I talking about? I'm talking about not just being mediocre. Because listen, church, I believe we ought to do everything with excellence. Why? Because we represent the kingdom. But, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm, 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 you know, I'm talking about being ruled by the mediocre. Being ruled by the mediocre. Having the mediocrity ruling over our lives. Let me give you an example here in the natural. So maybe you can, maybe you'll, you'll catch, catch a glimpse of what I'm talking about here. You know, when Kimberly and I, when we first, when we first moved over here to this, to this wonderful island, we, we set up shop there in Dublin. And, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, I love Dublin. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful city. It's a beautiful city. I love the history of it. I, lo- I love everything. I love a, a lot about it. I don't like the traffic, but I love, I love a lot of things about it. But, but as, me and, as me and Kimberly, when we come into a city, just like when we went to Dundalk, we went to Dublin, we've come up here, you know, we tend to begin to look at the history of what's gone on in a city. We like to, we like to check out the anthropology, the, the study of the culture that, that's going on in the city. Why? Because we want to we know what, what makes the city tick, right? And, and if it's a spiritual city, if it's not a spiritual city, what does God want to do? And, and when, we, when we came into Dublin, I don't know if it was when, after we moved there, if it was when we're going back and forth doing our visa and getting our house and all that kind of stuff. But, but we, you know, we, we jumped on one of the hop-on, hop-off tours. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, those buses that, 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 that go around the city. And, you know, we, we, were, we hopped on and we hopped off a couple places and we're looking. And, and we finally got on this one bus that this guy, there was like a historian that was on it. He was absolutely amazing. It's like he should have been in some, some great museum down there in Dublin, not, not driving a bus. But as he was driving us around, I mean, he was just pouring out stuff. And we probably sat on that, that, that bus for probably, what, an hour, hour and a half, just sitting there driving around the city, learning, intaking all things that were going on there that had happened in the past. Past. And, and as we were coming down this beautiful street, it was a beautiful street and it was, it was maybe a mile or two miles long. I, I can't remember the name of the street, but, but it had exquisite Georgian homes lining up both sides of the street. I mean, it was gorgeous. And I mean, they're, they're beautiful. Great steps going up to them. You know, beautiful houses. One might even call some of them mansions. Some of them are, are apartments. Some of them are businesses nowadays. And some of them are still homes. And it was just lovely. And then he, as we're sitting there driving, we've, we've gone down maybe, you know, a half a mile, three quarters of a mile down the way. And he said, now you're about to see the greatest building disaster that's ever taken place in Dublin. And I was like, oh, what, you know, what happened? Did something blow up? You know, what was going on? And as we got, and he said, look to your left and you'll see it. And as we looked and it was, it was, an, it was where a bunch of these beautiful, exquisite Georgian homes got demolished. And they built maybe in the 70s or 80s, at least that's what it looked at, some, some business, business type buildings that were stretching about a block or a block and a half long. 
You say, well, what, what, what's so wrong about that, man? Aren't they just, they're, they're kind of moving into, moving into the 21st century, right? No, 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 no. No, it, it completely looked out of place. Enough to where the people of Dublin think this is the, the greatest building disaster that has ever taken place. You say, why is that? Because something timeless, something exquisite got replaced by something new. It got replaced by, by something new. Let me say that one more time. It got replaced by something new. And that new thing was dated. That new thing was mediocre. It was dated. It was, it was mediocre. It, it, didn't, it didn't cut it. You know, they've had, they've had votes trying to tear those buildings down and rebuild the Georgians there. Why? Because that new thing just didn't cut it. It wasn't good enough. Hey, man, it wasn't good enough. And as tragic as... As, these, as this building project may have been to the Dubliners. Listen, I'm not talking about that kind of natural mediocrity. I'm talking about mediocrity in the spirit. Amen, because there can be a mediocrity in our spirit. Amen. Uh, speaking of the place where, where we, we, we keep on searching, we keep on looking for the new thing. I mean, that, that the church, I mean, I, I, I know I've, you guys have heard this. I mean, we moved over to Dublin. I mean, we moved over here to Ireland from, from America. Listen, church, this is where we heard in every single church that we went to. Everyone is, we're looking for the new thing. God is going to do a new thing. The new thing is here. You know, we're prophesying the new thing. All these things are, are going to begin to happen. But how many of you know God's not doing a new thing? Hmm? I know that'll go against some people's theology, but God's, God's not doing a new thing. You know, if we can just have the new thing come, man, this is where awakening is going to happen. This is where revival is going to happen, right? This is when the fire is going to come down and light up the church and everything's going to be good. But the Lord's not doing the new thing. He's not doing a new thing. I know, I know the prophetic crowd, they love to use this. Thank God for the prophetic crowd. I love them. I consider even this church to be a portion of that. Listen, they, they love to use this. They love to use that. But I'm going to tell you something, church. We can't just grab a hold of a scripture and begin to prophesy it if it's not what the Lord is saying. Oh, it's part of the scripture. I'm a pro- No, 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 no. You don't prophesy anything Jesus isn't saying. You say, why is that? Because what is prophecy? It is speaking forth from God himself. Hmm? Now you can speak things in faith. But, but to prophesy, to prophesy something that God is saying, it has to be from Jesus. Listen, if we're going to begin to prophesy things, we better get to the place of understanding and hearing what the Lord has to say. So we can speak forth what he says, not what our mind says, and not what our wants and our desires are. Amen. Let's just, let's just, while we're there, let me go beat up on that here for a second. Let's, uh, let's go here to Isaiah. Isaiah 43. And I love these verses. And I pray you love them as well. But we're, let's, let's, let's travel through a few verses here. I'm not just going to lift out that one verse. Let's, 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 let's start back here and let's just jump on up here to, to, to verse 10 here and let's get a good understanding of what the Lord is trying to reveal to us as he's speaking through the, the prophet Isaiah. He says, you are my witnesses. He says, says the Lord, he goes, my servant whom I have chosen. He goes, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, he goes, there was no other God. 
Before me, no other God was formed, and either, neither shall there be after me. What does the Lord saying? He goes, listen, before me, there was nothing. After me, there is nothing. There is no God but me. He says, even I am the Lord. Even I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. See, our problem is many times we start looking for a Savior, and it's outside of who the Savior actually is. I'm going to tell you something, church. Your government's not your Savior. Moving to Ireland or, or to the UK or to the West, it's not your Savior. Your bank account, it can't be your Savior. I mean, drink is not your Savior. Smoking a fat joint is not your Savior. Just finding a new wife, that's, that's not your Savior. There's only one. He says, I am your Savior. That's it, full stop. He goes, I, I am the Savior. He goes, I have declared it and have saved, and I have shown where there have been no strange gods among you. He goes, therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord. You are the witnesses that I am God. I've revealed them unto you. He says, but you, before the day, before the day was, he says, I am. And there was none that can deliver out of my hand. He goes, I will work, and who shall let it or who shall hinder it who shall reverse it i love that. that that'll be a verse that really comforts you and the lord says listen i will and no one can hinder it he goes there is no one that can take you out of my hands oh come on church there is no devil that can take you out of the hands of god there is no demon there is no there is no uh, culture there is no no nation that can take you out of the hands of god now you may take yourself out of his hands amen but he says listen if you place yourself in my hands i will make sure nothing can take it nothing can take it he says thus saith the lord your redeemer the holy one of israel for your sake, I have sent to Babylon, and I've brought down their nobles and the Chaldeans, whose cry is in their ships, whose rejoicing is even in their own ships and the work of their own hands. He says, but I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel. I am your king. You want another king, but I, I am your true king. He goes, so thus saith the Lord, which makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. He says, thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. The Lord says, listen, I am the one that is your provision. I'm the one that will make a path in the mighty waters, make a way in the mighty waters. He's saying, listen, when, when the water came down and flooded this world in the days of Noah, I made a way. I am your ark is what Peter tells us, or the Holy Spirit reveals through Peter, that Jesus, he was the ark. I mean, he says, listen, when the days came and I brought you out of Egypt, I am your provision. You came, you came up to the sea, amen, and what happened? You lifted, up, you lifted up the staff and I brought the water heaps upon heaps on the side and you, you got delivered as you walked through. You got delivered as you walked through. He says, which brings forth the chariot and the horse and the, and the army and the power. He goes, they shall, they shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. I love that. The, the Lord says, listen, all these, these great armies of horses and these great armies of chariots and these great armies of men, as they came after you, it was me. I made them extinct. 
I put them in the grave where they can't come back up. He says, I quenched them. It's like the Lord said, they were like a candle. And I licked my fingers and went, and I completely quenched their fire. As you walk through in peace on dry ground, he goes, I made those walls come crashing down upon them and buried them in the depths of the sea. And buried them in the depths of the sea. This is our God. You know, in 1978, I believe it was, there was a, there was a archaeologist, uh, uh, a Christian archaeologist, and he was going trying to study some of the places over in Israel where Sodom and Gomorrah was, trying to figure out where these actually were to make a pinpoint there. And as he was coming back, he stopped over there by the, by the Red Sea, you know, where, where people think that they may, they may have crossed over. And he found this, he found this big boulder there that, that was inscribed in Hebrew there, and it was a monument built to, built to Yahweh, you know, carved out to Yahweh for, and from delivering them from Egypt. And so he, he brought some equipment in there and he, start, he started digging and started looking in the Red Sea there. And you know what he found in the Red Sea? They found chariot wheels dug underneath all the silt and the sand at the bottom of the Red Sea. They found horses' bones and all of these things dated back thousands and thousands of years. Why? Because it was, it was our God that quenched them and buried them for our God. Our God is our protector. But listen to this in verse 18. He says, but remember you not the former things. He says, don't remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth Shall you not know it? It's going to spring forth. You, you could see those other things. You will see this as well. He goes, I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He goes, remember not the former things. Don't, 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 don't keep your eyes. Don't consider everything that was old. Get your hands and your eyes off the things of the past, is what he's saying, and look forward to what I'm doing for you. Because yes, yes, he redeemed us. Yes, he even gave us the, the instruments or the tools for animal sacrifice to where what we could draw nigh unto God, right? He, he brought all these things. He says, listen, don't, don't keep your eyes on the former things. Don't keep your eyes on the former things. Don't keep your eyes on the past. I mean, I know that everything that was done in the past that everything that the Lord did to the past was, was a type and shadow. It was to reveal something. It was to reveal Jesus. It was to reveal this new thing that he was about to do. I mean, it was about to reveal the new thing that, that the Lord is desiring to do. He says, I'll make, I'll make a way in the wilderness. I'll make, I'll make a way in the wilderness. In the rivers, a desert. I'll make a way in the wilderness and the rivers and the desert saying, I will bring forth life everlasting even through the curses of death. How is that? Because I am going to conquer death by death. I'm going to die and through my death, I'm going to bring forth rivers in the desert. I'm going to conquer death by death. See, church, we've got to get, to get away from this place of, of looking for the new thing that the Lord is desiring. Oh, what is this new thing? What is this formula 
that God has for us. Because if we can just get the formula, man, the church is going to grow. Man, we can be able to heal the sick. Maybe we can even raise the dead. Maybe some of these great things are happening. You know, good Lord, maybe awakening will happen in the nations and revival will begin to happen in the church. We just need the new formula for these things to happen. There is no new formula, church. The new thing is Jesus. Let me say that again. There is no new formula, church. You got to stop looking for the new formula, the new thing that God is prophesying, the new thing that God is speaking. The new thing is Jesus. The new thing is Jesus and the covenant that he made on his behalf. Why? So you don't mess it up. Is that I'm going to make it with my son and, and, he, and we're going to walk through the fire. We're going to walk through the blood. Excuse me. Just like we did in the days of Abraham when he split, when he split open the animals and the lamp and the stove. The two fires walked through while Abraham was over there dreaming. Who was that? That represented the Father and Jesus of the covenant that they're going to make for us. And, you know, and all we got to do is just receive it. All that we have to do is receive it. You say, what does that mean, church? You don't need any more authority. You don't need the formula to get more authority. You have, you have the authority of Jesus himself. The Bible tells us that all things have been placed underneath his feet. All things have been placed underneath his feet. He has been given the head of, of, of all things. It's Jesus. You don't need any more authority. Start operating in the one that you have. I mean, you don't need any more power. Oh, if I can just give more power. You don't need any more power. You have the same power in you that raised Christ from the dead, that brought him out of the depths of hell, that, that, that raised him from the dead, that raised people from the dead, that, that healed the sick, that cast out devils, that put the sun and the stars and the moon in the sky. You have that power already living on the inside of you. What are you looking for more power? You don't need any more power. We don't need to look for something new. We need to get consumed by the new thing. We need to get consumed by Jesus. Get consumed by him and you'll find these things begin to flow through you. But we got to get consumed by him and everything that he is doing. Amen. And I'm telling you, church, the Lord, the Lord has been doing the same thing he's been doing Forever. You say, what is he's calling man into intimacy? He's calling people close. He's calling people to be close unto him. And it's through that closeness, that intimate relationship with him, where authority gets birth. We've always been called to have authority over this world. It's where your power gets released. It's where you find your provision. It's where you find your calling and your destiny. That's all through a drawing nigh unto him. It's what he's always, always, always desired for us. Listen, church, may we never forget the ancient paths. Jeremiah 6.16 talks about the ancient paths and how, how we should never forget these ancient paths. Listen, church, may we never forget the ancient paths. May we never remove their, their boundaries. May we never forget the ancient paths of how the Lord has established and how he birthed a church. We don't need to look for something new. We just need to get back to doing the same things that they were doing. We haven't done those things in 2,000 years. Don't forget that ancient path. Walk back into that ancient path and begin to participate and do what the Lord is desiring for us to do. Get so filled up, so in union with Jesus, so in union with the Holy Spirit 
that when we walk down Strand Road or we go up to the Diamond, that they start bringing people out, John, and start laying them on the street because they're like, John's here. John's walking down the street. And people get healed just because he's walking down the street. Devils start crying out, oh my Lord, Barry, what are you doing here? I thought you were supposed to be on the other side of town. What are you doing over here? Because the Christ begins to flow through us. And everything that we're doing, don't, don't, go, don't get away from the ancient past. Man, we need to start walking down those same streets again. Doing the things that we were called to do. Amen? See, the dangerous thing is, unless I'm, a, I'm getting on a soapbox here, I guess. The dangerous thing here about, about a revel, this revelation of, of finding the new thing. Oh, I need the new thing. I need the new thing God's doing. You know, the, you know the danger about this revelation is, listen, church, you're going to find something new. You're going to find something new. I'm going to tell you, if that new thing is not, is not kissed by the anointing of the Holy Spirit or kissed by the anointing of Jesus himself, I'm going to tell you something, church. You're going to end up stagnant. And you're going to end up mediocre. You're going to end up stagnant, and you're going to end up mediocre. And how many of you know that mediocrity has never changed anything? Mediocrity has never changed anything. It's never changed anything. You know, I've had people, people tell me this over the years in ministry, you know, you know, from when we went to Dublin to where we went up to Dundalk to, to where we came here. Listen, you, you can't do church the way you're doing. You know, you know we're, we're different over here. You, can, you can't do those things. Hmm? Your services are too long. You can't have long services over here. An hour, that's grand. You don't need to do anything longer than that. Your services are too long. You know, listen, you got, you got gifts flowing in the church. I mean, people giving prophetic words. Y'all speak in tongues. Y'all lay hands on the sick. You can't do that stuff over here. You'll never be able to build a church. And your messages, oh my Lord, not only are they too long, but your messages, they're too critical. Can't you just minister something that makes me feel good about myself? You're never going to do it. Listen, I know the people here. I've, been, I've lived in my whole life. You can't do those things over here. But listen, the people that always say these things are people that are not led by the Holy Spirit. Hmm? They're, they're not led by Holy Spirit. They're led by the trend. I mean, they're, they're led by the new thing. And 100% of the time, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say 100% of the time, a lot of the time, you'll find these people doing absolutely nothing for the Lord. They're the people when they're 60 and 70 years old that you looked at and you know they had a great calling on your life and they've never stepped into their destiny. Never stepped into their destiny. Why? Because they, they want the new thing. Church, should we, should we present the kingdom of God as, as a social club? Hmm? Should we present the kingdom of God like the pub down the street? Should we, pay, should we paint the kingdom of God like the GAA hall? Should we paint it as something that's mediocre? Or should it be different? Should it be a place that, that the Holy Spirit comes in and resides and changes people, heals people, saves people, redeems them? I'm going to tell you something, church. I'm not called here to to minister unto your flesh. I'm here to minister 
and to mature your spirit. This, this, this is the calling to the church. So here's an interesting question. Have we permitted, has the church permitted the influence and the culture of this world to begin to mold us, to begin to mold us into something new? Has the church, the body of Christ, has it permitted the culture of the outside world to begin to mold the church into something new, something that wasn't designed to be? Are we more in fear of man than we are of God? Are we, is our tool to measure success, is it by the worldly standards? Do we resist suffering and persecution to the place that we begin to follow the world instead of Jesus? Hmm. Have we become so stagnant or just as Kimberly was ministering last week on Sunday, have we become to that place that's so stagnant that we actually believe this phrase? That, that, oh, you can become so, you can become so spiritually minded that you do or you are no earthly good. The stupidest. And sorry if any of you say that, but I'm telling you, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. How in the world can we be so spiritually minded that we do no earthly good? Amen. We're not even from this place. Our visa, our passport is a passport from heaven. We should look nothing like this place. The only way you're going to do earthly good is being so spiritually minded you aren't like them. <laughs> and you give them something different. Hmm? All of these things, listen, church, it's just, a, it's just an invitation. It's a simple invitation Amen, that the world is given, giving to us to do something new. You say, what is that? It's to become lukewarm. Amen, and not become the people, not become the people that the Lord is desiring for us to be, the ones that, that we're called to change the nations, change our cities, change our families, heal the sick, to release the kingdom of God, amen, to a dying and a hurting world, by operating through his power and his authority. Hmm? See, how many of you know this is, not just a, this is not just a problem or a temptation to the, to the 21st century church? This has always been a temptation for the church. You say, why is that? How do, how do, you, how do you know that? How do you even say that? Because if you go back into the Word of God, there's things they struggled with themselves. Why? Because anytime you go against the grain of this world or the grain against the culture of this world, listen, it's going to cause friction. And when it causes friction, listen, that can be uncomfortable. But see, just like we're talking about on Wednesday, listen, that friction can do one thing. God can use that to begin to burn off things that aren't, that aren't of him. Burn off the little things. Why? So he can draw you closer and closer and closer. So we can be more effective in the things that he's asked us to do. Amen? So listen, turn with me here. I just got a few minutes here. But turn, turn with me here to Revelations chapter 3. And, I, and if you would give me some time here, church, over the next several weeks, I think I'm going to, uh, from the leading of the Holy Spirit here, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go over this, this church here of the, Laod of the Laodiceans, starting off in verse 14. Amen. Now, I love, I don't know about you, but I love these, I love these letters to the church, the seven letters that are written to the church. You say, why is that? Because listen, if you have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say, you'll actually find the heart of Jesus. 
You'll find what he, what he begins to demand, what he requires, what he wants out of his people. Amen. You'll, you'll hear his rebukes. You'll hear his praises and the things that he, that he has for each and every, every one of us. Amen. Now listen, this, this revelation here of the church of, of Laodicea is very insightful because I can see it, especially in the Western world, that this is, this is what a lot of the church looks like nowadays. A lot of us look like this church here, so we'll be able to pull out things, amen, that, the, that that's actually going on in the modern day church, right? But listen, as, as you know, many people teach, I know there's a lot of teaching out there that says, you listen, there's seven different churches. These are the seven different ages of the church. And so Laodicea, that's actually talking about the church we're in right now before Jesus comes and returns. And, and listen, there may be a little bit of truth to some of that. I'm not discounting that. But what I am saying is that's not the fullness of the truth. I mean, we got to look at, at each church individually and allow the Lord to speak to us individually. Why? Because I know a lot of churches that look like Ephesus. I know a lot of them that, that, that have walked away from the first love. I know a lot that the compromising church like Pergamos. I know a lot of them that look like Thyatira that allowed Jezebel to come in and, and teach doctrine that's contrary to the word of God. I know, I, know, I know churches like Sardis that are absolutely dead and they think they're alive. I know there are churches that have great open doors opened up to them. Amen, like the church of Philadelphia. And then I also know the lukewarm church. Amen, the lukewarm church, which is the church of Laodicea. Amen. So listen here. Let me give you just a little bit of background because obviously I'm not going to be able to get very far into this today. But how many of you know that five of these seven churches here, five of them, got a or received a rebuke from Jesus? Five of them received rebuke. Two of them didn't receive a rebuke at all. They, they only received uh, commendations or praises. You say, well, why did he give rebuke? Because Jesus, Jesus has the authority to rebuke his church. He has the authority to correct his church. He has the authority to speak into his church and expect things to change. Why? Because it's his church. It's not ours. It's his. We're placed in part of his body. He's the head. Amen. But he's not coming around and walking around with a big stick trying to whack us. No, he's, he's walking around just giving correction, trying to, trying to mold us into his image himself. Now, six, now this is another interesting point here. Six out of the seven churches received praises. Six of the seven churches received commendations. They received praises from the Lord saying, man, you've done these things great. But I got this against you. You've done this great. You've done this great. You've done this great. This is going to happen even greater. Amen. But there's one church that didn't receive any praises. You know which church that was? It's the church at, at Laodicea. You say, why is that? Because you could probably say like he was talking to the church at, at Galatia there in chapter 3, verse 3. He says, are you so foolish that what you've started off in the spirit that you've now perfected, you, you think you can be perfected in the flesh? Amen. Amen. Now, regarding these churches... I can, liken, I can liken this, if you can pull this parallel here. I know we've, we've covered the church of Ephesus, you know, months past, but listen, this church here, Laodicea, you know, if, if Ephesus was a church that walked away from, and they did some great things, they're doing some really good things, but the Lord said, listen, you've walked away from your first love. He says, repent, return back into me, or I'm going to take your candlestick, I'm going to take your lampstand out of its position. Now, 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 contrary to what some people think, he's not saying, I'm going to take your salvation away from you. God doesn't take salvation away from us. You can give it away, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't take it from you. 
Amen. What he was saying here is, listen, I'm going to take the anointing off of you. I'm going to take my glory off of you to where you will not be able to do the things that, that you're still wanting to do. Why? Because I don't want you to be a witness. I, you're not going to be a witness for me. And what happens when he takes his anointing? Either the church disappears, like we've seen many churches disappear, or they end up dead. Amen. Religious, which we've all seen a lot of them as well. But see, this church here at Laodicea, they have surpassed that warning that he already gave to Ephesus. He already passed that warning and they become a church that is spiritually dead. Amen. And this is the Lord not, not, not hating on them, but the Lord, the Lord trying to woo them, draw them into a place of repentance. Why? So they can continue to walk with one another. You say, what does that mean? They backslid. Amen. They walked backwards. They, they regressed into, into mediocrity, right? And Jesus says, listen, I got the antidote for mediocrity. I got the antidote here. I'm about to deliver it to you. Now, as we talk about these things here in the next week or so, listen, my intention is not to rebuke this church. I mean, hear me when I say that. Listen, the, listen, the, the glory of God comes in this house. I'm not, I'm not coming here to rebuke you on these things, right? But if you're hearing a rebuke for it, listen, take what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. I'm not saying, you know, listen, he's rebuking, listen, you can grab a hold of that. But that's not the intention of this. this. This word is more of a warning for the days that we're entering into. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a warning for us to steer clear from the places of, of mediocrity. Why? Because as a we church, listen, listen, things can be grand, right? But see, when God starts adding to and adding to and adding to, how many more people can um, make more problems? Amen. So we need to have foundations set in us to where we don't, we don't get weaved, weaved off the road. Amen. So let's just cover a little bit here. It says, and under the angel at the church of Laodicea, it says, write these things. Write these things. It says, unto the angel. Now, who is the angel? I mean, is it some cherub or seraphim that, that's, that's over the church? No, <laughs> absolutely not. We find that out there in, in Revelation chapter 1. The angels, he's talking, he's talking to the leaders of the church, right? What does the Greek word angel mean here? It's the Greek word angelos or angelos. And it means the, the messenger the, or the, the one that I'm sent to minister on my behalf, right? The, the messenger sent of God. Now, something interesting here. Something interesting here. It says, under the angel, or the, the angelos, or in the Greek, it's, it's ho angelos. And that, that Greek word ho, it's, it's a definite article there. You say, what, what does that mean? It is something that is, it is, is saying this is something specific. This is something unique. This is something like saying the one right? He's saying the, the one, the angel. You know, if you're talking to, 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 to a leadership of America or Ireland or the UK, you would say the president, not, not, not one of the presidents or, or a president. No, you say the president of the United States. It's the Taoiseach of Ireland. It's, it's the prime minister of the UK. It's the, this is what he's saying here. It's the angel. It's one. It's one person. All right, he's saying the angel of the church of Laodicea. You say, why is that important? Because God has sent a messenger. He sent a messenger of God to, to, to lead a church, to lead a move. 
Amen. You say, who is that? That's, that's the apostle of the church. That's the pastor of the church. It's the overseer of the church. It's, it's the elder of the church, the, the leading elder of the church. It's the overseer. It's the, God that, that, the guy that God has put in place. He's, he sent them to, to not rule over the people. He sent them to serve the people, right? To teach the people. You say, why, is that, why, why are we talking about this? Because listen, church, this is important. It's important not only for the church, but it's important for future pastors and future apostles or future elders. It's, 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 these things are very important for us to understand that it's not just to the church, it's also to the leadership. You say, why is that? Because listen, pastors, apostles, anyone else listening or any of you future ones in here, listen, listen, a, a pastor, a leader of the church is not called to come into a place and then pick up shop and leave whenever they want to leave. They're not called to, to come into a place and all oh, things are going good. You know, the church isn't the size I want it to be, so I'm going to pick up, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go do something else. Listen, we, we left the church with over 100 people to come plant this church here. It's not because I wanted something new. It's because the Lord said, no, you need to make way for some pastors there. I need you to go start something else. I don't care how many people's there. I don't care what the anointing's there. I don't care about all that stuff. I care about what I have for you here. Amen. And a minister has to stand in a place until the Lord picks you up and moves you. We call that getting planted, right? Not only does the church, the congregation need to get planted, leaders have to be planted until the Lord says it's time for you to leave. Listen, there's a lot, this goes on a lot in the denominational world. You know, you, know, you can, a, a pastor will go into a place, he'll stay in there for four or five years, and they say, oh, you've been there for, you've been there too long, you're getting too close to the people, I need you to go, you're going to go to a different church. What? So when, when, when do people start saying when, when we need to leave and we need to go do something different? I mean, it should always be a leading by the Holy Spirit. Always a leading by the Holy Spirit. Amen. But, but it's, not just, it's not just for the people. It's not just for the congregation. not just for the sons and daughters of the church. Or for the leaders of the church. It's also, thank you, Lord, for the sons and daughters of the church. Amen. How many of y'all know that the Lord says that the people have placed to lead the church, their gifts under the church. Now, you may not like your gift. And I've, I've been on some people that I had a lot of friction with the gift that was placed over me. Amen. But it's regardless, God says they're, they're a gift under the church. They're the gift that I have placed over the church. Some, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, according to Ephesians chapter 4, they are the gifts under the church. You say, well, what are they there for? I don't like them. I like their attitude. They're there to perfect the saints to grow up, to mature the saints, to teach the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ. This is the only thing they're there for. It doesn't mean they're special. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're, that they're greater than you. It doesn't mean they're, they're, that God holds them in a, in, a, in a better position. You know, it just means they're accountable. It means God, that is the one God holds responsible. See, let me, let me give it to you. In, in, in a marriage, you have a husband and a wife. God says that the man, he is the one that is, that is the head of the house. He is the leader of the house. You say, well, does that mean that he's better than the woman? <laughs> Absolutely not. I've met a lot that the women are actually a lot better than the men. Amen. But see, the key is the man is the one that he holds responsible. See, women, I don't care if you're trying to lead your household. It doesn't matter. God holds him responsible. He says, these things have to be led by him. Full stop. Full stop. Right? It's the same thing in the church. You know, it's not that, it's not that they're greater. No, they, they're just the ones that God's holding responsible. So let them lead. Amen? Can I say it? Whether you're in this church or you're in another church or you're visiting another church, listen, I don't care what gifts flow through you. Let 
the minister lead. Let, let them lead. Amen? Let, let them do the things that God's asking them to do. And don't, for goodness sakes, don't discard your gift. Don't discard your gift. Why the gift, the gift that God's given to train you up and encourage you, don't discard them because you've gotten offended. Oh, come on, church. Don't discard them because you've, you've gotten offended because they didn't give you the pat on the back when you thought you should get it or they gave you a rebuke and you didn't want the rebuke. Listen, don't, don't get offended, Adam. Amen. Begin to receive what they had. That doesn't mean they're perfect. Listen, I'm far from perfect. Far from it. Any of you that know me well, you, you'll find that you know that or you'll find it out. Amen. But I'll tell you one thing. I can hear from Holy Spirit. I can hear from Him and I can hear His Word and I get rebuked 10 times more than you do. He rebukes me 10 times more than he does to you. You say, why are these things important? Because I'm telling you, church, our adversary, he is an evil genius. And he knows how to place wedges in the church to get us separated from one another. Why? Not because of anything else, but he doesn't want you to fulfill your calling. He doesn't want you to fill your, fulfill your destiny. He doesn't want you to change your families, your cities, or your nations. So he's always going to be doing things to put things in between us. Amen? Now, I know people, I know by the Holy Spirit, I've met people, I've shook at their hands, and the Lord has spoke to me about people. I still pray for a lot of them to this day that are called to be in here are called here and they've got offended at the church they're at before or maybe I've said something that's offended them here or whatever it may be but they will not yield they've allowed a block of offense and I'm telling you these people aren't serving God they're not serving God they're not doing what God's asking them to do they may be doing it to a certain measure but they're not to the fullness amen of what the Lord has for them hmm he addresses the angel of the church. He addresses the angel of the church. The angel, the pastor of the church. What are they designed to do? They're called to hear the message, to process the information, and to communicate it into the congregation. How many of you know God's a God of order? He doesn't usurp the people that, that he puts that he puts in leadership, especially when he's the one that puts them in leadership. Listen, I, 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 was, a, I was a CEO in business for, for many years, for 15, 15, 16 years, whatever it was. I know business well, and I had managers underneath me, and then people underneath them, and people underneath them. Amen. I'm going to tell you, as a CEO or an owner of a business, I never, I never went to the laborers of our, of our business. I never went to the people that were working out in the field and say, listen, we're making a change, and this is the change that needs to take place. This is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and never and never reveal that unto my managers. You, you say, why is that? Because the managers were the ones that are responsible for enforcing the things that were, that were taking place. See, if I, don't, if I don't inform them, how can I hold their feet to the fire? when things aren't happening. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't hold a meeting, tell the managers, and then talk to people if I see them not doing something right. You know, they're out in the field. Amen, that, that can happen as well. Amen, but, but the key is everything would flow through the management. Why? Because, because they're the ones that can be held responsible. It's the same thing to the church. Amen? God's not going to hold you accountable, Johan, if I don't do something right. 
Amen. If, if, if the presence of God stops coming in this place and it becomes a dead church, he's not just going to hold that. He's going to hold me accountable for it because I've obviously ignored something or didn't take care of something. Amen. What do we do? He'll birth something else. He'll birth something else. Hmm? It's a leader. How many of y'all know that Jesus, maybe I'll finish up with this. How many of y'all know that Jesus, Jesus himself submitted unto authority. When he was on this earth, he submitted unto religious authority. He submitted unto the, to the Roman authority. But even more so than that, he, he submitted unto the authority of the Father. You say, but he is God, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's fully 100% God. I mean, but he submitted himself. He put himself underneath the Father himself. You know, in John 16, 23, what does he say? In that day, he says, you'll ask me nothing, talking to the disciples, talking to us, talking to the church. He said, you'll ask me nothing. Anything you ask, any petition you make to the Father in my name, he says, he'll do it for you. Just ask in my name in union with me, and he's going to take care of it for you. Why? Because he submitted himself underneath him, just like we submitted ourselves unto Jesus. Right? In 1 Corinthians 15, 17, I believe it is. You know, we, we quoted those verses in, in, in Ephesians, you know, where it says that God has placed all things underneath his feet. He's given them to be head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that, that filleth all in all. Wherefore, God has so, so highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that, every, that, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in the things of heaven and things of earth and things under the earth in, in Philippians chapter 2, right? But how many of y'all know in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he, say, he says here, he says what? He goes, for he that put all things underneath his feet, but he saith, all things are put under him. It is manifest that he is accepted. Why? Because he's the one that put everything underneath his feet. What, what is the Lord saying? Listen, the father put all things underneath his feet. He didn't put himself into subjection under him. Going back to, to Philippians chapter 2. Well, he said, who being found in the very form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What did those scriptures actually mean? It says, he was just in the same essence as the Father himself. But what did he do? He didn't seize the opportunity when he became a human to become equal with God. No, he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient even unto death. Even death on the cross. Wherefore God exalted him because of it. Jesus, Jesus humbled himself underneath the, underneath the authority of our Father. Listen, church, if we will come to this place and we stop fighting to get to the top, you'll learn in the church we got to submit ourselves unto the top. Oh, how to get a better amen than that. Yeah. Instead of fighting, working to get yourself to the top, listen, you submit yourself all the way up to the top. Our leaders ought to be the greatest servers. You want to be a pastor, you want to be an apostle, you want to be a prophet, you want to be a worship leader, you want, you want to do something for that, you learn how to serve. Amen? Because if your leader is not a servant, listen, you, ought, you might not want to be following them. That's not a leader of Jesus. They ought to be the greatest servants, the chief servants, the slaves, as Jesus says. Hmm? Everything, everything, and this is it. Everything in the kingdom is opposite to this world. Everything. And the quicker we can understand that, listen, church, the quicker we'll understand some things. Everything in the kingdom is opposite. What does that mean? It means you don't stab people in the back to get to the top. You submit your way into the top. Right? We don't, we don't get to the top so we can be the chief in charge. We can be the ruler. No, we get to the top so we can be the greatest servant all. 
We don't be people that protect our lives. Now we offer our lives to others. Listen, our king, he didn't come into Jerusalem on a royal steed. He came in on a donkey. Our king does not, does not wear, you know, does not wear a, a big crown with all the jewels of, of, the, of the United Kingdom. No, 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 no. No, he wears a crown of thorns. Oh, how beautiful it is. Our king didn't wash us with a white robe and bleach. He washed us in blood. He washed us in blood. And church, we got to get to this place that we begin to think, speak, and see everything through the lenses of the kingdom, through the lenses and the eyes of Jesus, and not through the world's culture. Lord Jesus, cut these things off of us that aren't of you. Let us become so consumed that Jesus literally begins to seep out of the pores of our skin. To when we walk out of this place, his anointing begins to flow and drip upon people and heal the sick, cast out devils, just as we walk down the street. But we got to be so consumed with him. Church, this is far from mediocre. Jesus, he is the antidote for mediocrity. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your compassion. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for, for loving us, for desiring us so much, Lord, that you gave up all for us. Teach us to be a people that are willing to give up all for you. Begin to cut out the things that need to be cut out of us, not because we're like the church of Laodicea, Lord, so that we never become like the church of Laodicea. Lord, teach us your truths. Teach us your kingdom. Lord, teach us, draw us nigh unto you. Hmm. To it's your touch, it's your breath, it's your tears, Lord, that begin to wash all over us from head to toe. Lord, we may, may we never come to that place of intimacy as common. May we ever perceive your goodness, Lord, and seek after it, strive after it, labor to enter into that peace, labor to enter into that goodness, labor to enter into union with you, the depths of union with you for the rest of our days. Lord, we love you, Lord, we thank you, we honor you. We say you are the head over this house. We say lead us, guide us, direct us, teach us, train us. Lord, for we don't want to be mediocre, we want to be the vessels that you've called to change the city. For change is not only coming, change is here. Why? Because we're reverting back to the old paths. We're reverting back to that which you have done that is new. We're, we're coming back to you, our Lord and our Savior. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your word. We stand on Psalms 91, which is the tradition of this house, Lord, that no evil will befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling place. Or if you give your angels charge over us to, to bear us up in your hands, lest we dash our foot against the stone. Lord, we're protected in any means and modes of transportation that we have. Lord, we're protected as we go down the railways, the seaways, the airways, the motorways. Lord, even if we walk down the walk paths, Lord, we are protected of God. 
There is no wicked plan from a wicked man, or the devil himself shall come against us or be able to harm us. There is no destruction that shall come to our homes. No sicknesses are permitted to come there. For you are the God who heals us. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We don't walk out of your presence. Lord, we carry your presence everywhere we go. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you for the foundation you're laying here. Hmm. We walk out of here in faith and love towards you, loving each and every one of us. Thank you for the ambassadors of Christ you have called each and every one of us to be. Thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by your blood. We are empowered by your word. Lord, and we are still anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Amen.